Welcome to Coffee and Creatives. We are so excited to have Melissa Molnar on the podcast this week. We talk about creative U-turns, how a musical about Revelation gets to off-Broadway, and why community is key to living a creative life. Melissa Molnar, originally from the LA area, has had a diverse career in an array of creative fields, from television production, marketing and PR, to theater company operations, and more. But she began fully pursuing a career as a creative and artist in the past few years. In 2018, after a lifelong love of theater and several years as operations manager of an NYC theater company, Fellowship for Performing Arts, she branched out to become an independent producer, launching Level Ground Productions, and eventually co-producing Revelation, the musical, off-Broadway in 2019. In the midst of the pandemic, when live theater was on hold, she went on to produce several virtual theatrical projects in 2020 and 2021. After a pandemic layoff from managing live events led her to a job search in the summer of 2020, Melissa was inspired to go to makeup school, something she had thought about for years, adding makeup artists to her freelance repertoire. Additionally, Melissa is a live producer for Church of the City, New York, and has a passion for mental health, building artist communities, and helping others achieve their creative endeavors. Her work can be found at levelground.nyc. We hope you enjoy this episode. Melissa, as our guest, what are you drinking tonight? Yes, I was at Trader Joe's, and I love kombucha, and I found this, like, fall edition kombucha Ah, it's either going to be like really good and accompany this podcast deliciously or it's gonna like be gross and bomb i'll (laughs) i'll deal with it i'll overcome the challenge of a terrible beverage you're so brave (laughs) okay here i go let's see if it's good Mm. good yeah, it's like notes I don't know of how fall. to describe it. Definitely notes of fall. I didn't want to say like it tastes like a fall candle, but <laughs> like not in a bad way. Oh, it tastes like cider a little bit. That's what it okay. tastes like. Yeah. That so. makes sense. Becca, Delicious. what about you? I'm drinking a vanilla tea, which I don't think vanilla mm. is like tea. It just tastes mm. like I'm drinking vanilla. Mm. But it's good. I'm really excited, though. Not as cool as a fall kombucha, but there was pumpkin spice coffee in the uh, grocery store today, and mm. I was like, hooray! And so I bought two of them, and my little son, who's three, was really excited, too, because he's obsessed with orange, and it was all orange. He was like, orange coffee! And I was like, oh, no, it's the best! <laughs> Aww. That's great. What are you drinking, Noah? I am drinking cranberry juice, because mm-hmm. I forgot to buy tea, so... Cranberry juice. Well, good. You won't get any urinary tract infections. No. <laughs> All good down there. What about you, Christina? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a LaCroix, plain, pure LaCroix, which is unusual. Like, I feel like none of us are drinking wine. None of us are drinking coffee. <laughs> got our teas, our kombuchas. Anything could happen. I know. Just, just being We're healthy. going rogue. Yeah, we're so healthy. Um, well, Melissa, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, and when I met you, which was like 2019, I had just moved to New York. And it's like hard to even remember like how we connected. But I think a mutual friend or like a friend of one of my friends 
um, told me, like, I should meet you, and you were working on Revelation, the musical, and it was, like, in full swing. Like, I think it was maybe the last week of performances off-Broadway. Yeah. And me and Patrick came. It was amazing. And I think I met you, like, really quickly after, and then we ended up connecting later. Um, But I just wanted to, like, jump into that, kind of, like, what it was like producing an off-Broadway musical and just, like, what excited you um, about that project and just made you feel like like you could do that at that time? Yeah, it's, like, it was such a journey. Um, but that show um, was written um, by my friend Dustin Sighthammer, and we had, we grew up doing ambitious community theater, as we like to call it. Um, and, um, over the course of time, he wrote several shows and produced them at that theater and then, um, branched off and toured them in Southern California. Um, and I helped him with, um, some different shows. And one of the, one of the ones I helped with was Revelation and, um, he had written it in 2009 and produced it for the first time in 2010. Um, and so over the course of the next several years, produced it, toured it. Um, and one of the things that stands out about that show, A, it's like incredible and it's like word for word, the book of revelation. Um, and so I love that, that part of it, that we don't interpret it. We just, present a visual representation and he's composed incredible music. Um, and so just, but so that fact, I always felt like it had appeal to a secular audience. You know, they're like, you know, you have Jesus Christ, superstar and Joseph, the amazing technical color dream coat, you know, all these shows that are based upon biblical stories, um, Godspell, um, and, yeah, they're like very mainstream shows. And so I didn't think, you know, the aspect of it being a biblical story held it back at all. And I thought that, um, just the way it's told and the music and everything really like could have a appeal to non faith based audiences, um, and in New York. And, um, so just over the course of time, being with that production for several years in Southern California, um, I got to see, and I was always like behind the scenes, um, stage managing or helping with the tours and different things like that. Um, just the audience responses every time we present it is so like kind of over the top and it's not like almost any other show I've been a part of where like people see it and they're just like, have a great experience. And they're like, Oh, I love that show. Um, but people like come to this show and they like it, you know, is a, like it pulls out a response from them and people often like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so has to see this. Or, um, like, I want you to come to my church or I want you to bring it here, there, you know? And so it just like, it's just a different, response than almost any other show I've been a part of. Um, and so that always stuck with me, you know, having like performed in so many shows, been behind the scenes from so many shows. Um, it was just something that really, um, always stuck in my brain and, and I loved it. Um, and so anyways, I moved here in 2015, um, and 
worked in healthcare marketing. And um, so I kind of just wasn't pursuing like theater right when I moved to the city. Um, and, but it, that show always stuck with me and I always felt like it could have, I, I would love to see it produced here. I never, I didn't really think like that would be me to produce it, but, um, it was just always, you know, when I talked to different theater producers or influencers or like people in the industry, I kind of always like was, it was always like a pitch that I had, you know, Um, always kind of like looking for that producer for the show. Um, Mm. so. So were you kind of looking before you decided to produce it? Were, was he kind of shopping it or were you shopping it for, for somebody else to produce it? And then you were just like, I'm going to just do it or. Yeah. So Dustin, um, has several shows that he's written. He's also an actor, um, director, choreographer. So he goes through different, you know, seasons of like producing his own work or like filming or, you know, choreographing, directing. So at that time, kind of when I decided to, well, kind of part of my journey, uh, that we'll be talking about, I guess. Um, but yeah, by the time I kind of got it in my mind that I was going to like try to produce it myself or just like try to push the ball forward a little bit, um, as much as I could. Um, he was filming, uh, a movie in Boston. And so it was just kind of like, um, yeah, it wasn't something that we had like planned to necessarily like do and all of the things that kind of like helped it, the opportunity open up sort of fell in our lap in in a certain way. So it, you know, it was a combination of having like a idea and a desire to see it produced and then really get it when it came down to it's like if you want to see something happen and it's not like I guess you're the one (laughs) you know and so that was kind of how like I guess this the seed like got planted in producing it in New York that's so interesting I am like trying to visualize, like I've read the book of Revelation and I'm trying to visualize what that would even look like <laughs> as a musical. And I can't even visualize it when I'm reading it. I'm like, I have no idea what I, what, what this looks like. I don't know. So that must just be such a like, well, like really engaging musical, but also just like visually like, so like, just like, wow, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it really is a special show. You know, I mean, I think that book of the Bible amongst, well, a, in pop culture, in like the world, like there are so many references to it. There are so many like pieces taken from it in apocalyptic, you know, um, genres, like everybody knows six, 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 or like the four horsemen of the apocalypse or, you know, like, these kind of, they become like phrases that people throw around or use in different things. And, um, but they're from the book of revelation. Um, and, and even people who, you know, are Christians or believe in the Bible, you know, it's such a mystery to them as well. Um, you know, on another level, it's like, they're like, what is this? This is so crazy. Um, and it, it, has a, it has a perception of like being super scary and, um, you know, just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. It's the end of the world. And I, I was like, when we were 
when I was producing it and stuff, I always felt like, oh, like people see these things all the time on the news, you know, like there's mm-hmm. wars, there's, you know, destruction, there's natural disasters, all these things that people like are that are in the book of Revelation and yeah, we see those every day. So it's like, is, is the book of revelation like really that scary or is it like, (laughs) you know, like do we make it, you know, I mean, it is in some ways, but I think there's so much beauty in the book as well. And I think it gets, it gets a bad rap. Um, because (laughs) like there are so many beautiful depictions of it, you know, like a lot of like visuals, you know, from, like heaven, like when artists portray heaven or like paintings and things like that, like it is, or, you know, worship songs, you know, a lot of it is taken from revelation. And so I think like we kind of view it as like this terrible, you know, like end of world depiction. And it's like, Oh really? Like the whole point, you know, like the end of it just talks about, you know, a garden with a tree, a tree of, life. of life and yeah. yeah, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And so it's like, what is more hopeful than that? You know? And, mm-hmm. um, so anyways, I just, I thought, yeah, I want people to have a different experience with that book. Um, That's so cool. I, yeah. I just finished teaching Fahrenheit 451 and there's, um, like in that book, it's like a dystopian future and the, the people aren't a lot, like they have to burn books like or the the government burns books so you don't have them and different mm. people memorize books and they carry them in their mind and that's how they know them and the protagonist of the book has um the book of revelation in his head and at the end he like um quotes about the the tree of life and the mm. healing of the nations um this has wow. a cool little connection mm, um, that's so cool also, I turned 16 on 666, so there's your Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your, like, theme was, like, apocalypse. <laughs> like, everybody come to my scary party. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was it, was there anything that surprised you in the process of producing a musical as being, so I guess you, like, acted in them and f- first? That was sort of your first, um contact with musicals but then you turned over to producing them was there anything that you were like oh I didn't expect that to be part of the process yeah I mean I think like all throughout like there it I really I think it was like such a learning on the job (laughs) type of thing Mm -hmm. but between Dustin and I we co-produced it and between us we have so many years of theater experience I won't tell how old I am but (laughs) but, um, yeah we just you know we've all we've held like so many different roles within theater um and so I think our like knowledge combined um in addition to I had just um right before well it's kind of a crazy story I was operations manager for an off-broadway theater company in the city and decided to leave and literally the day after my last day in the office we by providential means met the owner of um the players theater where we produced it so 
we, you know, I think from everything about it kind of felt out of the box, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think we came in with like a certain amount of knowledge, but every step of the way was like, we, we signed the contract with the theater and didn't have like any money. Um, We just kind of were like, I guess this is what we're doing. And, um, you know, so then we fundraised and, you know, all, so I guess from a producing standpoint, it was pretty non-traditional. And you raised a lot of money from like supporters, right? Which is like many different supporters, which is more unusual than like the typical process, right? Like kind of, would you call it crowd what do they call it crowdfunding crowdsourcing yeah crowdfunding yeah yeah I mean we didn't do we didn't do like a GoFundMe per se but yeah it was really like us you know like just sharing the need we had some like grants that we applied for it was really just like this you know patchwork of like some larger I think our largest donation was five thousand dollars so I mean, so we had a lot of people. I think we had over 80 people support us. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't it was know really, really cool. About, I don't know anything about theater. So how much <laughs> would it cost to, like, a, like, what's an average price to, like, book a theater? What would that cost? Yeah, I have it no just... Idea. It it truly a lot. varies a lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, I guess yeah. more than five thousand. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it varies, and it depends on like the contract you have with the theater. We mm-hmm. got really blessed by meeting the the owner of the theater, and actually, so we met him like in November of 2018. Um, we were going. We had produced a cabaret at 54 Below here in the city, um, and then after that, we were kind of applying for like um, festivals and like, we're like, are we going to do like a workshop or, um, you know, just kind of like thinking through the next steps. Cause that's, again, there's like not one way necessarily that shows progress. It's like, there's a million different, you know, ways that show could get produced or, you know, progress. And, um, so we were just kind of like, what's, you know, we didn't know what was next for it. And so we had done that and we were just, kind of like networking and we went to this, um, off Broadway Alliance meeting and we came in, um, to the meeting and met the guy who was chairing it. And we told him, he asked about like what project we were working on. We told him, you know, what we were doing. And, um, and then he's like, Oh, like the four, we said revelation, the musical. And he's like, Oh, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And he's like, and we're like, yeah, and, you know, it was just kind of like he, he was super nice and stuff. But it was, you know, I think like he just was like revelation. What? Yeah. Um, but then he was like, oh, you should meet Michael. And we were like, we just we we're, you know, thinking through what what is next for it. And so he introduced us to the owner of the Players Theater and like literally 10 minutes before Michael had walked in the, um, show that had had that slot, which was the following May. Um, so six months from then had pulled out of their contract. And so, Mm. I mean, six months to go from like nothing to producing a show, um, is pretty, yeah, it's a, it's a quick 
that's a quick mm-hmm. timeline. Thankfully, we had produced this show in Southern California so much, so it was like, um, you know, it wasn't like we had never seen this this show on stage. Um, but to fundraise and you know do everything that it takes to to put it up. But anyways, in terms of um, you know costs, like you could. I mean, there's million dollar Broadway off Broadway shows. So, you know, like it runs the gamut and we kind of coined the phrase in our process called kingdom currency. Cause we were just like, God is just like bringing these blessings, <laughs> you know, just people donations. Like we had our whole, um, like rehearsal space donated to us. We paid like some utilities like that was it and that would have been like a five thousand plus dollar expense had we had to rent you know rehearsal space so you know it's just those kinds of things so I kind of feel like in terms of producing like I'm not I don't know I feel like my experience is so full of like providential and like God's you know provision um, just kind of like that I couldn't instruct somebody. <laughs> I'm right. just like, okay, just we'll pray just pray about, about it. <laughs> because you <laughs> rehearsal space and you don't have $5,000 to pay for it. You know, like maybe what, we'll bring along somebody. doesn't come from somebody. heaven for you? That's how I've been eating. <laughs> so it's easy. so crazy. So I always feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome because it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we did produce an off-Broadway show, but it really like, it was a, you know, it was just kind of like moving, go, you know, two steps, three steps forward, two steps back, you know, one mm-hmm. step forward, mm-hmm. half a step back, you know, and it was just like, how are we going to do this? And it's just a lot, you know, it's a lot of problem solving. And I think producing, although I think there's a lot more resources now, but when I was like going to school and stuff, like there wasn't like a program to like for theater producing, you know, they like mm-hmm. schools had theater departments, but it wasn't like oh, become a producer, and which is interesting because, like, you need a producer to, like, actually hire actors. But, you know, there's all these programs out there for, like, actors, you know, and this whole, the whole Mm. business side of things is such, can feel like such a mystery. But, you know, there's, there's definitely resources out there. And, you know, being an operations manager for a theater company, and then I did some different um, workshops and things like that. Um, here in the city that is educational for people who want to produce, um, what, uh, Ken Davenport's program, producer's perspective. I think it was called producer's Mm -hmm. perspective. Now it's Mm -hmm. something, uh, theater maker studio. studio. Yeah. Yeah. That's my book. Yeah. So I did a lot. I did several of their different workshops and, um, memberships and stuff. So just learning as I went, you know, it really, it really mm-hmm. was that. Did you that was feel a big like, part of the process. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you feel like being an operations manager helped prepare you for producing in a good, like, yeah, I mean, I, or, I think that that job mostly just gave me like a lot of insight from like a bird's eye view, um, because Mm -hmm. I was working closely with a lot of the different teams, like our fundraising team, I was working closely with like 
our general management and executive producer, you know, I wasn't necessarily doing their day-to-day work, but Mm -hmm. I got to see a lot and I got to see how all of the pieces, you know, came together, like all, you know, the press team, the marketing team. Um, so I think it was like, it was sort of a masterclass in business, the business of like producing theater in New York. Um, but then once, I was actually producing it. It was, I, it was on me to like, okay, I need to write this press release and send it out. And I need to, um, do payroll for this cast. And I need you know, like all, all of those things that I was like sort of privy to as an operations manager. Um, but now it was like actually like doing these, Mm. the things So. Like actually your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when it, yeah. Um, okay. So I know that you've read The Artist's Way and we've all read it. We did, that was, um, season one was The Artist's Way and Julia Cameron, she talks a lot about creative U-turns. Um, and I feel like the pandemic and like 2020 was that for a lot of people and like, everywhere, not just in New York, but, um, it was a really hard time for artists and people in the arts. And so just wanted to ask you about kind of like how you responded to that and like what good things, like what was challenging, but also like what good things happened because of that. And like, you know, where did that lead you in the process, I guess? Yeah. So it's kind of funny in like seeing this journey. Um, so after revelation closed in 2019, um, we were pursuing potential, another potential opportunity with the show, like later that year, which it ended up not going through, but early in 2020, I was still kind of like, you know, on the, I want to continue producing theater and stuff like that. And I actually, the weekend before the shutdown was at, um, there's a organization called the, um, commercial theater Institute. And so it was like March 6th through 8th or whatever that weekend was. And I was, this is why I'm so surprised that I never caught COVID, but I don't know. Maybe I did. And I'm asymptomatic, but I was like at an off Broadway theater with like packed with, industry people for three days, you know? Um, Mm. and it was like uh, big producers, all the like creative teams from a bunch of shows, press, you know, just kind of like all the like industry. It was basically like a three day workshop, um, of industry people for people who want to produce or people who have a show, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like, all the insight into producing, um, theater in New York. And, um, so anyways, I did that. And then the next weekend, everything shut down. (laughs) So when we went into, to lockdown and it's so funny because my birthday is March 14th, which was the Saturday before. Yeah. 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 So actually when Broadway closed, I was supposed to go to opening night for my roommate at the time she was in six so yeah, it's kind of like it's a full circle which just opened yeah. and I got to go and so anyway so yeah that's just like a full circle so yeah so Broadway I was like literally going uptown to 
change and get ready to come back uh, to to Midtown to see the show. And I saw that Broadway shut down. So that didn't happen. But anyway, so the weekend that um, Broadway shut down, I had a birthday party and I watched our performance of Revelation. It was, so, it was sweet with some of our cast. Um, but anyways, yeah. So when I when we went into lockdown, I was still just you know, none of us knew what was like going to happen. And, and even my friends who were in still Broadway don't. shows, you know, still don't, still don't. Two weeks, <laughs> two, weeks two weeks, two months, Flatten two years. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So when we first went into lockdown, you know, it kind of just felt like, okay, well, just use the time to like continue working on what you were working on. You have a little bit more time, um, all that. Although I was working for my church at the time, uh, as well. And so that was just like a huge pivot for us. And my job was becoming managing in-person services and everything got moved online. So it was kind of like a crazy time there. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, I, obviously none of us knew how long it was going to be. And I think the, you know, first month or so really still, you know, thinking about theater in terms of like how it was done before. And I know that that there was definitely a lot of talk of like, things are going to change and, but, and there was, you know, tons of online, you know, some different theater companies were having webinars and, you know, so there was still, I just remember still feeling like, Oh, I'm just using this time to like move, you know, work on what I was working on and try to move the ball forward. Like, are we going to submit it to regional theaters? Are we going to, you know, whatever. But as time goes on, you're just like, Oh, so this is like a thing and (laughs) we're not going to be producing theater anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then I was laid off from my church job in June, um, because we weren't going back to in-person services anytime soon. And so my job didn't exist basically anymore. Um, so I know, um, sad. Um, but then I had like a really amazing summer. Um, I feel like it's kind of like, taboo to like be like oh I had a great COVID experience <laughs> like, whenever you whenever you talk about it you kind of like hush hush and you're like actually my my experience wasn't that bad oh you're so yeah. okay you know but it's like of course like it was so devastating for so many people um and you know there was obviously you know there's still not there's terrible things about it, obviously. Um, but it was, Oh, sorry. That was my phone. Um, it was, yeah, it just, it felt like kind of, okay, this is like the options that were there for us before are not there. So like, what, what are we going to do now? You know? And it kind of, I kind of just took like a break from really like, toiling over a project. Um, and some of my friends, I went to the beach a lot and, you know, tried to like, just like take a breath. Um, and some of my, me and four other friends, um, 
decided to do the artist's way. Um, and yay. which, yay, I know you guys got started that way. Um, and it was like really, really cool. It was such a, a fun experience. Um, and the interesting thing for me was that I was doing it with, um, four friends who are all actors. Um, and then they have like other creative pursuits on the side of that or like in addition, I guess. Um, but I was really the, I, the only one that was primarily, I guess if you were like, look at all of our resumes, primarily like not the like artist, I guess. Um, in a traditional sense, but really going through that book, it, it kind of really helped me find or like see the reality that I am an artist, um, and really kind of uncover like, like her questions are deep. Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in addition to all the prompts and, you know, different exercises and like habits that she like, tries to lead you through it's like oh it really like asks very deep questions about you as a creative um and I think that was really really a really good thing to be going through at that moment um Mm. because I think a lot of things were taken off our plates and so really kind of stripped down we could we weren't distracted by like other things we were doing, you know, mm. it, it, and you know, when you, when you're like questioning, like, am I an artist when you're not pursuing your art or when you're not being paid for your art, you know, mm. I think those were like a lot of the different questions that came up for us and, and come up for artists. Cause like, are you an artist? Like, are you an artist because you're paid to be one? Are you an artist? Like if you're not making money off your art, are you like still an artist? If you're not even actively like doing anything artistic, are you still an artist? You know? So I think a lot of the questions made me, had me thinking on a, maybe a different level than other people too, because primarily like my career wasn't based in artistic jobs. I had aspects of, I was always in creative, um, uh, industries like working in advertising and marketing and TV production. And, um, so I, and then like working for a theater company. So I was working around a lot of artists and, you know, a lot of my job required creativity or like reviewing artistic things and deciding like, you know, that, you know, kind of more of like, I would say cross administrative, jobs, um, sort of, sort of artistic slash administrative management, um, responsibilities. So coming into like the artist's way and like delving into these questions, um, what was really like freeing for me and allowed me to kind of like hone in on seeing myself as a creative. Cause I think I always have thought of myself as creative. Um, but I think in our world, sometimes it's, we see, we, we select certain jobs or certain industries that we see as creative. And I don't know, I think 
I think anything could be creative, like writing an email, <laughs> you can be creative doing that, you know? So, but anyway, so yeah, I think that the artist way really like opened my mind up to seeing myself as an artist. Um, mm-hmm. and I think definitely producing, even though you're not like a traditional creative team member per se, like you do have, and, and different producers have some, some producers are just financial producers, you know, things like that. But anyways, I was, you know, pretty deep in the process, um, and involved. So there were definitely artistic pieces of, of the show that I helped with. Um, and just putting together a production like that. Um, you know, I just, I felt really like the going through the artist way helped me solidify, like, yeah, confirm like that I was an artist and Mm. a creative. Is that when you like, was that process key to you pursuing the makeup? Yeah. To getting to going to makeup school? Yeah. Or was it like before that? I can't remember. Yeah, no. Um, well, so it's kind of like my whole, career path has like been such a journey. And I, I tell people sometimes I'm like, yeah, if you put, if you like cut up my resume and put each job on its own piece of paper, and, like <laughs> put it in a hat and people were like drawing them out and like, Oh, this is the same person. What do these jobs have to do with each other? <laughs> it like makes no sense. But then when I, you look at my resume, like chronologically, you know, you can mm-hmm. see where like this job you know, had aspects of it that prepared me for like the next job. And so like the journey makes sense. The individual pieces like feel a little, um, disjointed, but, um, yeah. So when I, my first job, I went to school, um, at Cal State Fullerton and I, um, got a degree in radio TV film. Um, and it was the first year that the school had offered that job or that job, that, um, major. And so it was, Primarily, I was wanting to produce, and I did an internship in New York, actually, um, with World News Tonight, um, with Peter Jennings. And so I was thinking about going into news producing, which I ended up not wanting to do that after the internship. It was a great internship, but it made me not want to do news. Um, That's what internships are for. That's Mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like, just go down the list and start, like, crossing things off. Um, (laughs) But... Uh, so my first job out of, or one of my first jobs out of, um, college, I worked for Fox, um, broadcasting and we did, I worked in the photo publicity department. And so we, um, produced all the photo shoots for the show, the TV shows. So American Idol and like all the shows that were on at that time. Um, and so I was like hiring a lot of hair and makeup people and I would be on set with them for like 12 hours and their job always seemed really fun. And I, you know, I just was like, Oh, that'd be so fun. And, um, but I was, you know, in a job that was like salaried and, you know, corporate and like vacation. And so to like leave the security of that to be freelance felt like impossible. And that, was kind of like a desire of mine for many years prior to, or like throughout my career is like, Oh, I want to work for myself. I don't, you know, but mm-hmm. you're just so used to like having that salaried, um, job that it's like hard to, I, 
the idea of leaving that security. Um, but when I left the theater company and started working for myself and eventually producing Revelation, um, that I kind of jumped into that freelance um, career. So come pandemic, I, um, and I'm, I am an independent contractor for my church. So when I wasn't working that summer of the pandemic, I finally, once things started opening up in fall, I was like, okay, I got to really like figure out a job now that things are open. Um, and so I was looking online and just like, oh, am I going to be a server? Am I going to, you know, or am I going to like have to go back into the corporate world? Like I didn't know what my next move was. Um, and so I started seeing like, I just randomly was seeing like, oh, hair, hairstylist or makeup artist or did, and it kind of just was like, oh, that's something I've always wanted to do. Um, mm. And I think, so anyways, within like a month of, I started like makeup school, like within a month of like seeing those postings. So I, I kind of like move pretty fast when I'm like, oh yeah. Mm. But I think this is the thing I think I realized is like, seeds are planted long ago. And then I think because I've already processed it and really like thought through it, I don't, I don't think if I like, I don't think I would like have jumped and gone to makeup school had, you know, 15 years prior, like thought or been in a job and thought, Oh, doing hair and makeup on set would be really fun, you know? And so it's like one of those things that like I'd already processed the like wanting to do it. And so Mm -hmm. when then the opportunity like arose, I was like ready to just like jump in and say yes. Um, and I think that's like a lot of my experience is, you know, I don't necessarily always take like a straight shot, you know, it's not like a to B to C to D it's like a to <laughs> G and then back to N and then to Z, you know. So, um, yeah. Well, it's funny too because, like, I feel like with the pandemic, you know, like for a lot of creatives or for a lot of people, like security, job security is a big thing, but it's like suddenly you didn't really have to work, like, nobody had job security. So it's like that wasn't even, you know, it's like, well, why don't I just do this so for somebody do what I want to do anyway yeah like for somebody who for that reason like that's held them back from like makeup school or whatever because like oh it's not very secure it's like that was probably more secure than than like some other jobs at the time but yeah it's just timing no you're fine yeah I think too at that time it was like whatever job I was going to get was going to be a maybe a survival gig or, you know what I mean? It was, mm. it wasn't going to be something that like moved the meter in my career, unless I was to go back into like a corporate job or something like that. Um, yeah. but I was really trying to avoid going back to corporate jobs. Um, and so it just seemed like, Oh, I've always wanted to do this. The world is basically on pause, you know, so why not just invest in another, career option 
What do you love about your job as a makeup artist? Um, yeah, I, I like having another, like, variety to, I like having variety in my career. Sorry, this kombucha is making me burp. I thought about that before. <laughs> I heard on one episode and I burped the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be like, Ugh, be creative. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I just really like the variety because um, I still like producing. I'm a live producer for my church. I hope to continue producing like theater. I produced um, several um, virtual productions in the fall and fall of 2020. Um, but I really like having something that is more um, tactile, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's actually not necessarily like sitting at a computer writing emails or like strategizing something or you know I think it's a very nice like it's a nice balance for like the other um things I like to do and so just having another I don't think I I haven't intended to like pursue makeup only so Mm. it's sort of like in addition to um the other jobs that I that I but you know I also yeah, I just, I just think variety, variety is the spice of life. Um, and I've never, I've always envied people who had like, this is what I want to do from, you know, from 12 years old, they wanted to like be an opera singer, you know? And then they like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to take voice lessons. Then I need to go to this school and then I need to, you know, go, abroad and do this program and then I come back you know and so just kind of like those the people that have like one trajectory in their life that they're trying to achieve has always felt like very oh that would be really really cool because then you would know where you're going I feel like I'm a move I'm always like my life is like a moving target but Mm -hmm. I also like change and I Mm -hmm. like I like learning new things I like challenging myself um and so yeah I just I think it fits me and I think once once I've come to like peace with the fact that like I'm not somebody that just has like one goal that I'm trying to achieve Mm. I think it allows me a lot more freedom and less um fear that I'm going to like start something and not finish it or like I'm going to like it's okay like if I go to makeup school and I love it that's great if I go to makeup school and I do it and I'm like oh this isn't like exactly what I wanted to do like that's okay too um and but I when think I find there's... out I can't sing and my goal is to be an opera singer <laughs> <I'm ruined>. <laughs> well <laughs> hopefully hopefully you know you've had a voice teacher that has been like kind and honest and just like all right we've been at this for three years and like you've not been able to hold a note okay maybe find a new a new <laughs> yeah well I feel like I don't know I feel like that's a like a good segue like into what I wanted to talk to you about next which is just like building because I feel like for you and correct me if I'm like wrong but like your goal is not so much like this one thing it's more like living like a creative life maybe and maybe not maybe it is like 
you know, I know you have like goals and stuff, but I think for some people they want, they want that. They want like to le- to lead a creative life. Um, and maybe like, they're not sure what that looks like or how to do that because they kind of feel pressure to like pick one thing, mm-hmm. especially like when you're younger and like you're in school and it's like, no, pick the one thing and then do it yeah. like forever and yeah. figure it out. And I think that can be really hard. Um, if you're, if you do have like multiple interests or multiple, you know, areas of creativity. So like what, I guess like what has helped you, uh, what has helped you or like what advice would you give to somebody that kind of like feels that pressure of like needing to pick the one thing? Um, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think people, people are also, we're also different too. And maybe some people are much more geared towards, you know, having one goal and becoming like an expert at that one thing, you know, and there's certain, and, and that's, that's great too. I think, I think really understanding yourself and being okay with not comparing yourself to other people just learning about who you are and like knowing that it's okay to like try new things or to, um, you know, not have to live up to expectation that you might've even had for yourself a year ago or something like that. You know, um, I think in terms of like, you know, I just, I just really feel like, I don't know. I don't know that I have like one thing that I need to achieve per se, but Mm -hmm. I think my, I think my journey is about, I don't know. I'm just like thinking about that right now. I'm like, what is my journey? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm not paying you enough for this therapy Yeah, I realized like I, and I'm kind of, I don't know that I'm answering the question per se, but one of the things I've realized for me to, because I'm not a like, I'm going to go for this one thing and achieve this one thing when I hit ruts or when I hit like, not even a rut, but like a turn, you know, and I have no like direction of like where to go next. Or even if I want to see something happen, but I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know how to take the next step in that. Um, I think just like being in community and, being a part of other people's projects um, Mm -hmm. because I think that that can really inspire, you know, being around other people who are, you know, creating and are like working on things and helping them. I think that's so inspiring. And it's kind of like, I realize I'm like, we all need that, you know, and Christina, you're like a perfect example of like, I met you, I think, was it Kayla that connected us or mm-hmm. maybe? Um, I think it was Kayla, yeah. Yeah, so um, I was, we're part of a, a group called The Hang and 
a community of artists in the city. And so Kayla introduced us and, um, and then Christina was like, I can help you with, you know, if you need any help, I know it's like the end. Um, and it was like the last weekend, so exhausted from everything, you know, and, Christina was like amazing and sent out all these like gifts to our donors. Um, and you know, it was just that, like, I think that was one of going back to like your, an older question that you guys had, but just how people showed up, like when I needed it the most and, you know, it wasn't that like, Christina had helped us from like January on, you know, throughout the whole process. And, but it was like her coming in that last week and just doing that, like one task, um, was like the hugest help in that, in that week, you know? And so I think, yeah, I think just being around, yeah. And I was like, I'm just trying to get stuff on my resume. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah. It was so, so helpful. And that's how, like, how relationships are built. And so I think for me, like, whenever I feel like, oh, I don't know what's next, it's just, like, being in community, um, it just really does help you move to whatever's next. And it helps, you know, you might be helping that other person move to their next step. Um, And then out of, like, that you might be inspired to do something else like through the artist way, the group that we were doing, um, that we were together. One of the girls, she did a cabaret. Um, my friend Stella, she did a cabaret for her birthday, um, like a virtual cabaret. Um, and then the group, we were like inspired by that. And then we each kind of like started working on something. Um, and then me and, um, Jonathan, one of the other people in the group, decided to produce um, an Ecclesiastes, which was one of Dustin's other projects. Um, and so, you know, we, it's kind of, you know, that like, and then. That's the other book in Fahrenheit 451. He has two books in his head. And it's gonna, Revelation and Ecclesiastes. What? <laughs> what? I'm going to have to read this book. It's a really good one. Okay. I'm reading it. Um, but yeah. It's so, short too. <laughs> Sweet. I, that's, that's important. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just, like you couldn't read a long book. Just like it's less commitment no, than like I, Anna Karenina. My attention span appreciate short books. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I think just being in community with other artists can inspire you, can build relationships. Um, and yeah, can kind of open the doors for what's next. And then after Jonathan and I, um, and Dustin produced Ecclesiastes. Dustin wanted to do two of his other projects. And so, you know, it just kind of, uh, like those types of things, it's, it just, yeah, it sparks of creativity can spark somebody else into creativity. Um, and in terms of like my life, I guess, goal, you know, I just, don't know I'm still figuring it out and (laughs) it's a journey and I just yeah I think yeah I just I feel like there's so many possibilities and really honestly looking at my life over the course of my career it's like I couldn't have necessarily predicted any of it um and I think that's the best is when it's like kind of a surprise Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I feel like you're such a 
I don't know if it's because you worked as a producer, but I feel like you're such a like producer at heart. I don't know. I just always feel like whenever I talk to you or like we get together, you just like have so many ideas. You're like, oh, well, like, have you tried this? And you should do this. And like, oh, we could do this and then this. And it's just like, it's so amazing. So I feel like you're such like a great, I don't know, maybe it's like the producer in you or it's just like your personality. But um, yeah, I definitely, we talk about that a lot. I feel like on the podcast, just like, I mean, it was really the reason we started this too, was for like community and um, what's the word? Accountability. Inspiration. Inspiration. Accountability. Yeah. Like all those things. And I, I think it's like so important to have that. Yeah, I, I, um, I love coming up with ideas. Maybe that's my thing. It's like the idea girl. (laughs) The idea maker. maker. No, I really do. And I love, I love coming up with ideas for other people because the pressure to execute isn't there. (laughs) Because really ideas are like my favorite, but I have too many ideas that I just don't have like the time or energy to execute. So if like mm-hmm. other people can come to me and I can give them ideas and I'm like, take it or leave it. If it works for you, like go for it. If it doesn't oh. like no skin off my back, like, yeah. you know, it's like, it is just the joy is like coming up with the idea. Um, well, then I have a question. I'm going to put yes. you on the spot. Yes. What would be an idea you have for us as a podcast for Ooh. like the next thing for us to do? Um, you're going through a book right now, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing the War of Art. No, yes, yeah, yes. The War I almost of said the Art of War. I always say it wrong. <laughs> yeah. the War of Art, and we're it's like okay. doing. Little- I spell Stephen wrong every time I do like anything. I'm like <laughs> Stephen Pres- <laughs> by Stephen Pressfield. Is that how you spell Stephen? Wait, which way? Stephen with a ph. Stephen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, what is? So we're going through a book, and we're doing like creative challenges for each other each week and then we like are trying to keep each other accountable um and we have a blog we write once a week we kind of like rotate through um but what what would be your idea for something for us to do i like what? completely 100 percent put you on the spot <laughs> this, is, this is like i don't know if you already do this so if it's already being done then great um but like what about having guests and um instead of like just interviewing them about their projects and maybe it's not even guests who would like do an interview like this maybe you're just bringing on like an actor or like you know somebody else and some different artists and like have them go through one of the challenges so they might not be going through the book with you but like whatever the challenge is that you're going through that week you just like have them do the challenge with you um, and mm-hmm. just kind of see from like an outsider's or like not an outsider, but like a fourth person who's not in your group, mm-hmm. um, how they like interpret the challenge. I don't know. That's a good or idea. That's person. a great idea. Yeah, I love that. So I don't know. Can yeah. you now tell me what I need to do with everything in my life? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just, I'm going to be like, one of, this is a segue into mental health, but I'm just going to be um, like that Peanuts character, what's her name, and it's like five cents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I know what you're oh. talking about. I forget what it is, Sally, or is it, not Sally. It's not Lucy, it's is Lucy? it? Lucy? I don't know. Yeah, isn't it Lucy? Oh, okay. 
isn't it? It's like, I forget what she says. Is it psychiatry? Or she's like, <laughs> help, let me help you with your problem. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <Anyway>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, I know you're like really passionate about mental health. And I was just wondering like how you see that like intersecting with, I guess, intersecting with, with creativity and like artists. Um, but also you can just like tell us about whatever you want to with like yeah. mental health. I kind of just wanted to leave that like in your court cause I know you're really passionate about it. Yeah. Um, that was the other, another thing I did during COVID is I started something called mental health Mondays and I did like a Facebook live every Monday. Um, the alliteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, gotta have a catchy phrase to go along <laughs> with everything. Um, but yeah, so that was really awesome. Just sharing my journey and having conversations with, you know, the viewers out there. Um, but just, it really opened up some cool like conversations with people and just being able to share like my journey. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am, I'm not doing mental health Mondays at the moment. Um, but I think it's something that like, I really do want to continue, you know, like pursuing, um, somehow integrating mental health with like something that I'm doing. I don't know. Um, another, an idea for another day, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I think, I think mental health is obviously so important. I have like my own like specific journey with, um, being, having bipolar disorder diagnosis, hospitalization, like very dramatic, um, made for TV movie story ish. <laughs> I always tell you, you need to write your, your, your book, your short story. I know when I'm not going to makeup school and yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. During the and next pandemic, I will. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Lord, let it no, all be. No more pandemics. <laughs> oh my gosh, I heard this story in NPR yesterday where they were like, we are at the chance of having another pandemic just as much as we were in 2019. Oh my gosh. Like, oh gosh, oh. no. <laughs> There's still time for my mental health book. <laughs> 2022. Uh, I know, seriously. Um, but Nobody even look at a bat. Everybody don't. stay away. Um, yeah, so I think, so that was kind of the first time that I really like talked publicly about my, um, mental health journey. Um, and I think that was really, really cool to be able to open up the conversation, um, and just connect with more people on the topic. And I think it's something obviously that like, so it's way more talked about, than it even was like five years ago. Um, Mm. and so that was really freeing for me to be able to kind of open up about that and share more, you know, transparently than I had before. Um, but I think it is such an important topic and all of us, everybody has mental health, you know, whether you have like a diagnosis of something or not, you know, we all have brains and, need to keep them healthy. And, um, and so I just, I think continuing the conversation, however, however I can, you know, help, whether that's like doing mental health Monday or having a conversation with a friend. Um, but I think for artists, like it is such an important thing, um, because a lot of our 
creativity, I think, is, well, A, I don't claim to, like, know half of anything about (laughs) mental mental health. There's so many resources out there and stuff and books and everything. Um, but I did read this book, um, called the body keeps the score and it's on trauma and healing. You have it. It's so good. Have you read it yet? (laughs) No, but it's on my shelf right there. And I saw it yesterday and I was like, I should read that. It's it's on my list. It's so good. Um, but there's a whole section about theater and how like theater Mm -hmm. is like healing, is like healing for is part an, a way for healing um, from trauma, mm. and I think art can be that for people. But I also think art, in a lot of ways, takes discipline, and you know, it can be in and of itself. Creating art can be challenging for people's <laughs> mental health. It's like mm. on some levels, art can be healing and cathartic, and like all of that. But then on another hand, it is a business. So it's like people can gain really unhealthy habits or unhealthy lifestyles in the pursuit of art too, you know? So it's like, I think, I think there's two, you know, there's so many facets to it, but I think just having, you know, making people more aware of it and, um, yeah, just, I don't know. I think just talking about mental health more. Um, but that book is really, really powerful. I think it's such a good read for anybody, whether or not they have a background in trauma. Cause I think too, just, you know, if you have friends or parents, um, I think any parent should read it because it really like delves a lot into like developmental, um, issues with kids and mental illness and like mood or like behavioral disorders and things like that, that are, it was really kind of groundbreaking for me in terms of me personally having been diagnosed with bipolar and what she says. I think it's a she. Yeah. I think it's a she. I can't remember um, the author, I think it is. but, um, Bessel. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, just like about she, it's pretty controversial. I don't know, you know, people could have differing opinions on how she talks about mental illness. Um, and the DSM, I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. but it's the diagnostic manual for mental illness. Um, but yes, there's the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, but it's really, really cool. It has a whole section on theater. And I think from, mm-hmm. um, I think theater in so many ways can be healing, particularly, um, talking about being for people who've gone through trauma, like having a safe space to, um, live out emotion is Mm -hmm. really, really important. And even acting, like just allowing yourself to go to different emotional places because trauma can stunt somebody in like one, you know, in their emotions. And so the, the art of acting or, play, you know, things like that can help somebody who's been through trauma. And I personally, after having my diagnosis and hospitalizations and stuff, started getting involved in theater again after that. And just even just like the community aspect of 
being part of theater um, was really powerful. Um, just, I don't know, working on something that was in community that like we we're all working on a project. We all had our own areas that we were working on and it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't an activity that relied on me as an individual to like be, not be myself, but I was there to like be a production assistant. And that was like my function. And I was able to be around a lot of people without having to talk about what I had just been through without having, you know, I had a purpose. Um, so I, I don't know that that's part of her book, but anyways, I just think art and artistic things can be really healing. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that, that it does have that like dual nature, you know, of like healing, but also like can be like, I don't know if toxic is too strong, but like, because it's so wrapped up in who we are and like, you know, childhood and adulthood, there's just like, there's a lot there like to work with. And I feel like there's so much vulnerability too, because a lot of it, you're like exposing pretty like raw parts of who you are. And if like, Many people will see that and affirm that, but there can be some people who see that and are like, oh, I can use this for my own financial gain in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, every every industry has its pros and cons. And I think this is another topic for another day, but just, you know, artists aren't always taken care of well by, you know, people um that are like need them and so I Mm. think um yeah it's really important for artists to be able to be centered and um part of like part of being healthy in as an artist I think is your mental health because there is also the aspect of like being a people pleaser and you know all these things that getting affirmation, you know, like wrapped up in the industry, um, that can not work to not be good for an artist too. So, um, I don't know. I just think, I think everybody should focus on their mental health, but artists particularly, um, I think it's a conversation that you can't have too often. That reminds me of this book I just read called This Beautiful Truth by Sarah Clarkson. She has Mm. um, OCD and she struggles with like intrusive thoughts. And um, in that she really struggled like as a teenager and well, like to this day, but with like, how can um, God be good and let me Mm. have these intrusive thoughts and struggle so much with OCD and what sort of really led her back to um, being a person of faith, because she had kind of like abandoned it, was art, was seeing mm. beauty in art and specifically literature. And so in seeing the beauty in stories, um, that kind of opened her, like she had this like theodicy mm. over it that opened her again to seeing like that God can be good and beautiful, even with these really broken, horrible things like mm. in her in her struggles. Um, 
So, yeah, I just like you talking about how important it is and how it's like important for artists to have just so it's like, oh, that resonates really well with that book I just read. Yeah. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming, not coming, but like being here (laughs) on Zoom. Um, It was really great to talk to you. Can you just, um, you want to let people know like where they can find you, like your um, level ground productions and also like your makeup stuff? Yeah. Um, So my production company is called Level Ground Productions and my website is levelground.myc. And then um, my makeup, can be also found on that website, my makeup website, um, but also um, makeup, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> makeup by Mel, right? Makeup by Mel. Is that what it is? Um, okay. yeah, Instagram is makeup by Mel official. And then, um, yeah, I have a makeup website, but that's enough for okay. now. <laughs> and then my, um, my, Insta- my personal Instagram is Mel's Insta Life. Um, with underscore so mel's underscore insta underscore life awesome well thank you so much this has been lovely it's been so great thank you guys so much i love chatting with you thank you for listening to coffee and creatives there are several ways that you could support the coffee and creatives team the easiest way is to rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you're enjoying it on this really helps us get seen by more people if you'd like to support us monetarily you can sign up for our newsletter by signing up through patreon our theme music is by patrick nichols Derek mccauley and patrick nichols are our producers nate hutchings is our social media content creative christina nichols is our special event and guest creative rebecca mccauley is our writing content creative and noel mcmanus is our creative director to learn more about our creative journey check out our instagram at coffee underscore and underscore creatives or our website at www.coffeeandcreativesproject.com